All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 238 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano 19+. Plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano. We are into September. The captain skates a few weeks away from officially the start of the 2023-24 season with training camps, preseason action gets going. Uh, Frank Cervalli is with me once again. I'm Jason Greger. Frank, uh, the summer has uh, has passed unofficially. Kids are back in school. You know, uh, uh, adult kids are uh, going to a uh, university and colleges. Uh, some parents are uh, celebrating profusely as the uh, the summer break is over. Others are uh, mourning it. It all depends, I guess, on the, the relationship or maybe how many kids you have in your house during the summer. But um, September comes around, and man, it's a great time for sports. Obviously, the NHL starting up again. If you're a football fan, that starts up this week. Obviously, the push for the baseball playoffs. You know, I love it. Like, there's so much going on. Um, in the NHL, let's start with uh, now that Toronto signed Matthews, there's lots of people wondering about Willie Nylander. And what do you think happens with Nylander? Lots of guys are getting extensions. The coach has an extension. Matthews has an extension. Are you expecting Nylander to get an You extension? get an extension and you get an extension. Um, no, I don't think there's anything on the near-term horizon. Watch, I say that, and he ends up signing tomorrow. I think in a perfect world, the Leafs would have him locked up, but I think he wants to play this out and see if he can have another year like he did last year where he 
drastically increases his value. And, you know, he hit 40 goals last season. And I think the one thing that William Nylander has going um, among many is that he's the one guy on this Toronto Maple Leafs team that when it comes to the playoffs, I have zero question about his fire. Does he have the fire in his belly to compete and want to win and advance? And I think that question lingers for quite a few players, including Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner. But I don't have that question with William Nylander. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I, me personally, if I necessarily have it with with Marner and and, uh, and Matthews either, I, I've seen them have good playoffs. Obviously, I've seen them have a few games where you don't get on the score sheet, and you know when that happens uh, for most teams, it's it's difficult to win. Um, you know, there there was a statistic the other day I read that uh, you know you look at how many goals the Leafs' top four guys have scored in the playoffs, percentage of their team's goals. It's actually quite high. I think it's like 66 or something percent of their overall team goals. So it's more so, are they going to have any depth guys score consistently in the postseason? Yeah, I think it also matters when, and it involves having that killer instinct that they did show in the first round against Tampa and Austin Matthews had finally his signature playoff moment. But Nylander, the last four playoff runs, he's exactly a point per game or one point under point per game. So he's been there. He showed up. I just, it it matters when you score, not just did you score. That's fair. Yeah. So, hey, Toronto, they're they're one of the teams. There's a few teams, I think, that have a lot of internal pressure. Um, You know, and it starts with your stars for sure on on any team. And, you know, I'd put Toronto on that list. I I think Edmonton is another team that's for sure on that list. They They have high expectations this year, easily the highest they've ever had, I, yes. I would believe as a group, um, you know, the, their whole teams together, their leadership group has the team on the ice for captain skates today on Tuesday, September 5th. That, that's pretty early for a lot of teams. And now that doesn't guarantee success. Let's be honest. It doesn't mean you're going to go to a Stanley cup, but I just, it kind of showcase. I've talked to some people around coaches, players, and there, there's just a, like there's a different feel in Edmonton and and I sense there's one in Toronto as well, right? Like they've got new management to, in Toronto, you know, they got Jeff Jackson in Edmonton, I guess, uh, if you want to look at it in that sense too. So I look at those teams, Frank, who are the other teams? Because I don't put Colorado or Tampa because they've won. Obviously they, they want to win, but are there other teams like is Carolina in that boat for you? Like a team that's been really good, but never really good when it matters enough come playoff time. I don't know. Carolina's gotten to Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that's fair. And I would, so I would say. But so is Edmonton, right? Like they got to one. Yeah, but they didn't win any games. And I guess the Canes were swept in one as well, right? Yeah. Um, I think the Canes got better this summer. I know you said a, a few weeks ago when we did our last pod that you thought that nothing has changed for the Canes because they didn't solve their biggest problem. But I think they got a little scrappier as well. Michael Bunting, he's um he's definitely has an edge to him and I know he seemed like he was maybe a little bit unhinged in the playoffs, which I think probably really hurt him in his wallet when he hit free agency this summer. But Bunting comes in and I don't think you can really overlook 
the Dmitry Orlov signing, um, that's pretty significant. He's now their highest paid defenseman for two years. Mm-hmm. And then they brought back 50-point guy Tony D'Angelo. So defense, they were never really lacking. Like their defense has always been strong. And I think one to seven, I think the Carolina Hurricanes have the best defense core in the league. And I don't even think it's close. Hard to argue with that. I, I would agree. And can you win with defense? Yeah, you can. St. Louis did it, right? Like, I think their defense was the main strength of their team. They didn't have, like, Tarasenko's a 40-goal scorer. is a really good player, but they didn't have, like, a, a dynamite, you know, offensive leader, per se. They, they had a really good group of players. And so, you know, I, I think that's obviously the MO of, of Carolina. I just, like, Carolina the last four years, Frank, like, only Colorado and Boston have more points than them, right? And obviously, Boston had that unreal probably once in a, franchise type season last year like Carolina has been knocking on the door knocking on the door and they do win a playoff round so maybe it's different but I just wonder Why if are the, the expert- are, aren't the Canes just the east version of the Oilers yeah fair but there's you know and that's fair I think that's accurate um build different but as far as overall success yes I think people look and say hey Carolina should be good the difference is Carolina's defense better no question and you know, it's hard for me to find a defense core that I would put ahead of them. But my only concern about Carolina is now they got to go with the St. Louis model or I guess their own model of 2006 when they didn't have a dynamite offensive guy and they still won. I just I wonder in today's NHL when it's more offensive than we've seen in a long time. Can you win without that guy? In the playoffs. Well, let's not forget they were missing Svechnikov in the playoffs. Sure. Big loss. goal score. Yeah. Um, I, I just think at some point that team is going to break through. I think they're that good. Well, they're all, it's hard to find a more consistent team than them, right? Like you talk to opposing coaches and players and they don't have any dips. Yeah. Like Carolina is that team. That's just, you, you know how they play. They play hard. They play very consistent. They're incredibly structured. So but here's, just, the, here's the funny thing about the way the Kane season ended last year was they kind of, I don't want to say they limped into the playoffs because they won their division, but they, they weren't the last number of weeks after Svechnikov went down, they weren't really quite the same. And I wonder if that, it wasn't like a hangover, but I wonder if they kind of, they just weren't firing on all cylinders when they got there. Does that make sense? 100%. From March 1st on, Frank, Carolina had the 14th most points in the NHL Yeah, down the stretch. They weren't bad. They were 13, 10, and 1. So, you know, you're technically two games over 500 as far as wins and losses go. But, you know, 14th overall, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a powerhouse finish for them by any stretch. And that sometimes it's not always the best team we've seen year in and year out. It's the team that catches fire at the right time, which is... Funny enough for the Panthers, like yeah. they backed their way into the playoffs. They lost their way in and still ended up going on a run to the final. What are your expectations for the Panthers this year? That's one team I've had a really difficult time handicapping. Like I like their talent overall. My question will be, can they have, like, it's funny. I, I put Florida. There was lots of questions at this time last year about Boston. Well, what are they going to do without Marshawn? And what are they going to do without Bergeron? And then we saw what they did. 
right? Now, those guys came back a little sooner uh, than people expected, and that was okay, and they had a few other injuries. But I look at Florida, and their key injuries are on defense, right? So can they absorb the first two months without those guys? I really like Florida's forwards, right? I, I like Kachuk, obviously Barkoff, you know, big fan of, of Reinhardt, and, and I like uh, Bennett. I like a lot of their, their forward group. I think if Florida, they're in a tough division, maybe the deepest, not necessarily the best, but definitely one of the deepest divisions in hockey. And so as long as they're close, Frank, when Ekblad and their defense guys come back, then I think Florida should be fine. Do you have any questions about their goaltending? Well, yeah, I'm curious about, you know, what Spencer Knight going to look like now. But what's Sergei Bobrovsky going to look like? Fair, right? Like, you know, I wonder... Like, if you look at Bobrovsky, he proved again last year. Like, when he's on his game, there's very few goalies better than him in the league, right? But he did have, a you know, a stretch of a few regular seasons where he wasn't barely even top 15. So, you know, did last year rejuvenate him or did it fatigue him? I, I, there's a little bit of concern there for me, but not a massive amount. I, I'm, I probably have, I'm, I'm curious and I really hope, you know, Spencer Knight comes back and, and, and everything's great for him because, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He unquestioned talent. I think he's got 57 games under his belt at the NHL level. And I think we're still kind of curious what he is. Is he really the star first round pick 13th overall guy? And what I think it's it's not a commitment question, but does he have the um, I used the word fire earlier when talking about Nylander and the Leafs. Does Spencer Knight have the fire to compete at the highest level? Because if he does look out, I think when you talk to people behind the scenes who know him well and, and spent time um tracking his career that was like the one question mark they had was like this guy is maybe one of the most talented guys we've ever seen but i think that was the one lingering question well and i i'd be guessing if i even try to to say i have the answer to it i have no idea and and it's hard right like you from and here's the thing frank the goalie position from year to year is maybe the most difficult one to predict outside of, you know, Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, and a few guys like that. But like, look at Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill last year had never played in the playoffs before, ever. He'd played, he made 88 NHL starts in the regular season. He had a 9-10 save percentage, decent, but not out of this world. Yeah. And then he gets in the playoffs and all of a sudden he's looking like he's, you know, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin like. Like he was excellent for Vegas. And if you would have asked people in Arizona or San Jose, if they thought he'd be that guy, they might've been like, mm. and the other question is if Brassois had never got hurt, would we even have seen Aiden Hill? Yeah. I, I think my big question that I'm left with after last season that I'd really like to do a deeper dive into this year and track pretty closely is what percentage of success that goaltenders have is team based. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's look at the, some for look, sure. Right? Look Quality at the Golden Knights. I mean, that the way Bruce Cassidy's teams play, the goalie just needs to be okay. He doesn't see a ton of quality chances, and they do a really good job of supporting him. Carolina is a, is very similar in that way. 
Yeah. It's almost like you could take, and that maybe that's why the Golden Knights had success with four different goalies last year is because I don't want to say they're interchangeable parts. Obviously the Golden Knights don't feel that way because they're paying Aiden Hill 4.9 million bucks this year and next, but they're closer maybe to interchangeable parts than they would be on other teams that are more talent reliant, if that makes sense. I think there's some validity. And, that. and that's not taking anything away from Aiden Hill, by the way. No. Hey, if you saw Aiden Hill's third periods in game five and six against Edmonton, um, he was outstanding. And even if you look at him in the uh, in the conference final, like there were times when Vegas would have a letdown or, or create some openings because, hey, it's the NHL and the other teams are still pretty good. I thought Aiden Hill made some big stops. And, you know, it's interesting. The, the one stat that, you know, I talked to some goalie people, um, you know, Kevin Woodley and a few others who are like expected save percentage for goaltenders can be a good guideline of, okay, how many quality shots are they facing? But even then, Kevin will then point out to say, okay, but you could be a team that maybe doesn't give up a lot overall, but then you give up a lot of really high quality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, then it's harder for your goalie. And then the other one is, and you talked to a lot of goalies, if you're a goalie who doesn't get a lot of rubber and then all of a sudden you're peppered, like Marty Brodeur in, in New Jersey was amazing at being a goalie who could stay completely focused and only face 20 shots. Whereas some guys, you know, Patrick Waugh said he was better when he got more shots. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on the goaltender, to be honest, sometimes. And, you know, it's it's the unpredictability of that position is what makes the regular season so exciting. Because there's, there's going to be a few goalies, Frank. We'll get into December and you'll be like, geez, where'd this guy come from? And conversely, you'll be like, whew, look at this guy. Like, hey, Jack It's Campbell, the most unpredict- unpredictable position in pro sports. Oh, 100%. Like, like Jack Campbell, he, like you, Toronto fans can attest, like the first half of a few seasons ago, he was a leader in the Vesna. And then for three months, like man, he couldn't, couldn't stop a beach ball. And then in, in Edmonton, he had roller coaster moments as well. He struggled out of the gate. Then January stood on his head. He was amazing. Okay, then he struggled so you, again. Then he so was you, better. So it, I, I learned long ago to, like, Hey, I, I'm not, an expert enough on the goalie position. I've learned lots from Woodley and those guys, but it's funny. Even when you talk to goalie guys and the goalie union is maybe more loyal than any other union in hockey, like they protect their goalie guys. Even they will admit that it's tough, man. And so much of it's mental. I think from year to year for guys, if all of a sudden, you know what, uh, things aren't going well, we've seen goalies, you know, like look at Jacob Markstrom. Is there a more Jekyll and Hyde goalie the last few years in the NHL? Good year, bad year, good year, bad year. I was just going to ask you, so Markstrom finished last year 892, and I think a big reason why going from 922 to 892 that the Flames didn't make the playoffs. I think that was worth at least eight points in the standings. Oh, yeah, maybe more. So who has a better chance of bouncing back, Markstrom or Campbell? Campbell was 888. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Markstrom because he, he has a longer track record, right? You mentioned the 922s. Like he had some pretty good years in Vancouver. So I, I would go Markstrom, but I think both guys have a really good chance because it's going to be difficult, Frank. And I hate to say, it, like it's hard to be that inconsistent two years in a row. I just think with Campbell and maybe. I'm discounting this part of it for Markstrom, but I think so much of it for Campbell is is mental. 
I think it's all between the ears. I don't think it's technique or anything like that. Markstrom, I think talking to Mike McKenna last year, he noticed some significant flaws in his game that I think could be corrected. But I don't think Jacob Markstrom was flogging himself on a nightly basis like Jack Campbell was. Yeah, Campbell's really hard on himself. Now, the other thing Campbell did last year that like to change your equipment that significantly during the year is is very rare. So, you know, he's he's now kind of got up-to-date gear, right? I, I talked to Jack about it. And, and I under, hey, I can see why if you're a goalie, if you're comfortable with a certain type of pad, right? And, you know, you, you used to want to have the pads that would absorb the rebound and you didn't kick it out as much. Well, now they want to kick out the rebound more. So, you know, it's kind of just changed that way in the style of it. So I'm, I'm quite curious to see. I, I don't know if there's a, a goaltending tandem that's more interesting. And I say tandem to start the year than Edmonton because Stu Skinner coming off, you know, he's a, he was a rookie of the year finalist. He, you know what, he got a lot of playoff experience for his team, but he still, you know, has he very limited in start, the playoffs, right? Still has limited starts. So is that, is that fair to say that he struggled in the playoffs at times? Yeah. I think that's fair. He was, a, I thought he was a little bit of a microcosm of, of what the Oilers struggle was where the Oilers, like, look at the Vegas series. Each team blew out the other team twice in the first four games. And then in games five and six, Edmonton allowed three goals in the thir- in the second period twice after controlling the first period, and then they controlled the third period. And the second period cost them. And, you know, Skinner, there's definitely a goal from game uh, five he would want back. But there were some plays by the defense and forwards in front of him that were a perfect reflection of, I think, if Edmonton doesn't beat themselves – they'll be a really hard out this year. That's what they're going to, and I think that's their whole message to their group is stop beating ourselves, stop playing Santa Claus, stop gifting goals. And to me, that's what the regular season's about. The evaluation of Edmonton, I expect them to finish in the top five in the league. You know, do they finally win a division and end the longest drought in the NHL right now? They haven't won a division since 87. We'll see. But it's more so, can they avoid the games where they self-destruct and give away games. Cause that's what cost them in the Vegas series. Yeah. It seemed like they beat themselves. Oh, well, without question. Like, and I thought Connor McDavid was, was very honest in his assessment. He talked about, Hey, like no offense. When we went to the conference final against Colorado, like we weren't in the same category. Colorado was just a better team, right? Like it wasn't really close Vegas. They were right there. And, and I think you can, you can have a lot of long days in the summer saying, man, if we didn't make this play, maybe we win the series. And, and, and it's and it's legit. I think there's a lot of people that thought they were in that series. Nobody thought they were in the Colorado series. So, you know, I think that's a reflection why they're they're in camp so early in Edmonton. It's like, Frank, can you think of any other team that has all their guys on September 5th in town? Not many. Nah, is, this, rare. is this the summer of Connor and Leon? Did Connor go anywhere without Leon? <laughs> and I say that in a good way. Yeah, no, those two are really tight. They hang out all the time. Um, I, I I think there was one trip early, yes, but I, I know Drysaddle spent a lot of his off season in, in Ontario. Uh, Edmonton has quite a few guys: Fogel, McLeod, Nurse, Bouchard, etc. That that get together, and like they're a focused team. Um, I know it's a cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. There's lots of teams, not all, but lots of teams. Frank have that one just kick you in the nuts, take your breath away loss that sticks with you. And Edmonton finally had that last year, right? Tampa Bay, we all know they had it in 2019 against Columbus. And, you know, look at Vegas. Vegas went to the conference final 
four out of six years, right? They went to the cup final lost and you know, then they missed the playoffs. They, they had some, some real hard pills to swallow too, before finally winning. And, you know, we'll see. It doesn't guarantee. Cause I was Ash, just going to say, yeah, how many teams doesn't guarantee. have we, yeah. Have we seen get absolutely kicked in the jimmies and then they, they fold like a cheap tent and a soft win the next year. Yes. Not saying so that, the Oilers will do that. I think they're the team to beat. All I'm saying is that it doesn't guarantee you anything. No, not at all. But not. I did like what I saw from the Oilers in terms of how they reacted to that. Leon Dreisaitl after that series ended, that's what you need. That's what you need to feel like. Oh yeah. I think he he felt like he cost his team a little bit defensively. And you know, you're the proud players ultimately, they they know at the end of the day, the players know if they're making the right play or the wrong play after the fact, and even sometimes during it. Right. And, you know, you, you'd like to think that they should all recognize that sooner, but it's not that easy. Right? And then the other thing, Frank, and here's the biggest wild card, because I've been researching this a lot is how much health plays a factor. Like, like we talked about Vegas. So, you, and health doesn't always have to be a negative. So you look at, and I mentioned, what if Brassois doesn't get injured? Maybe they never go to Aiden Hill and maybe they don't go to the Stanley cup final. Mm-hmm. And if Mark Stone's back holds up in the regular season and he doesn't require surgery in January, well, then they don't add a player at the deadline, right? So it all it all kind of works out in weird ways sometimes for teams where the unpredictability of it, and that's that's what's fascinating and probably gut-wrenching for teams is if you get the wrong injury at the wrong time in the playoffs, you can be a really good team, you know, ask the 2019 Lightning. When Hedman got hurt, that changed their whole year. Yep. Hmm. So that's what makes it fun, man. Like this, this season, like I, I think there's six, eight teams that, that I would say if they win, I won't be surprised at all. So give me, give me your, t- your list of cup contenders. So in the West, I have Edmonton, Vegas. Uh, I like the Dallas stars. Like I think Dallas is, is a really good team. Um, and Tampa I think they Bay- got better too. Yeah. Uh, I like Tampa Bay. Um, I think fatigue is a factor in life and them having a longer off season for the first time in a long time. They still have all their core guys. Uh, they got Vasilevsky. I'd never count them out. Um, I put Toronto as a, as a legit contender. Now they got to win a playoff round or two, right? But I, I think when the season starts, they're a contender. Carolina, for sure, I have as a as a top contender. Yeah, those would probably be my, if I guess would probably be my tier one type of contenders. So how many you? teams is that? I think that was seven. Tampa, Toronto, Carolina, uh, Vegas. Oh, Colorado. I'm still putting Colorado in. Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, and Edmonton. So seven. Okay. And then there's teams like that are close, but so like, like what about the Rangers or the Devils? Well, see, the Devils are the team, Frank, that I think I think they're close. But I'm still not like if they went three rounds deep, I wouldn't be stunned. But I just I, I think they got a lot of youth, um, and they, they just gotta they gotta keep growing and developing for them. And I got a little bit of question marks maybe about their goal. I have question marks about their goalie and their defense. Yeah, the Rangers, Frank, like the Rangers got the goalie. They got a Norris defenseman yeah. in Fox. They got lots of good skill up front. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about the Rangers. I just like on paper they they look good, but they I don't know what it is. Why I, I have them in my second tier, right? Like it, again, Was Blake a team Wheeler, the signing of the summer for eight hundred grand. It could be. 
for sure. If you're I mean, looking if he gets strictly anywhere at production. close to 55 points again. Oh. It's yeah. it's a it's a home run. A hundred percent. Like heck, if he scores 40 points, it's a home run. I I I have the Rangers in that category. Yeah, okay. And that's fair. It's hard. I could you can make a lot of arguments as to why they'd be there. And I would also put I think I would put the Kings in that category as well. Interesting. Okay. I would also include the Devils. I think I'm 10 deep. Okay. The see the Kings like <sighs> like you could come up with a fatal flaw for almost all of them. Well, sure. But then so like we're not including the Florida Panthers. And the only reason I know when Florida gets healthy, so I can have an asterisk on the Panthers because of their health to start the season. They were your squad last year. Yeah, did they? The Panthers, man. The, the Panthers were, I really liked them even in the regular season. I said, hey, the Panthers are going. Now, obviously, everybody knows that, hey, they kind of squeaked in. I get all that. But, hey, once you're in in the playoffs, man, anything can happen. And they were good So. This might be the perfect segue to Tyler, but are you buying or selling on the Kraken? Yeah. Sorry, Seattle fans. I'm, I'm, I'm selling. Like, I think Seattle's going to compete hard. I love the way they play. I like their style. I think they're, I think Seattle's going to be playoff team, but not a contender. Yeah. Not a cup contender. No. Is 10 teams too many. Am I being soft? Am I being an easy grader? I think you have a, I think you have a few too many participation ribbons. Yes. Okay. but it's fair to make cases for some of them. Like, especially the the Rangers are the one like the devils. I don't have the devils or the Kings as cup contenders for me. Hmm. Again, they could be surprise teams. Funny enough. You know, they met in the Stanley cup final here in the last decade, but I I don't have them as cup contenders to start the year. Oh, I really like their team. We saw how well they played with Gavrikov being added. They got an, a, an important piece of business done with Pierre-Luc Dubois. What about their goalies, though? Well, that's the big, you know. Now, we could say that about a lot of teams, which is fair. But two um, and a half million bucks total on your goaltending is an experiment that we, I don't think we've really seen since, and a team go deep since the Flyers did it in 2010. Yeah. Well, you know, I think LA is looking at uh, Cam Talbot and Todd McClellan reunion and them uh, going very well. And and I think they're hoping that, you know, hey, Phoenix copy last year was a revelation. So can you repeat it? It's tall. You talk ass. about value, Blake Wheeler. Could LA's goaltending be the best bargoon? It could, it could also be an explode. It can be an exploding factor that explodes your season. Yes, very true. Very true. And you, hey, for a lot of teams, man, goaltending, it's it's not as important as it was five years ago, thankfully. And that's not a knock on goalies. It's just there's more offense in the game again, which is nice. Because to me, it, it wasn't great for the league when it was so highly reliant on your goaltending. I think it's nice that, yeah, you need good goaltending. And, and you can get it from unexpected sources. We just saw that last year. And But I do like that it's a little bit more balanced now than it has been for a while where offense matters again. And I think that's important for the league. I think it's important to help sell regular season games. Let's bring in that Tyler Remchuk. Where's he been all summer? I'm here. Oh, I took Frank off the screen. Bye, Frank. What's it, your first day? 
<laughs> it's got a new board, man. All right. I'm here. I am here now. It's been a while. We haven't done one of these in two weeks. I'm a little bit rusty when it comes to knowing, uh, knowing which buttons to push, you know? Anyway. Buddy, you must have new lighting in there. Like everything looks good. You got the blue background in there. Jeez. Yeah, I tried to. And a lot of off season work. I had a lot, again, a lot of free time. We haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, uh, but I got a new edition of Buy or Sell locked and loaded here. And to help me out a little bit, I went over to our friends at Botano once again and took a peek at one of the honestly hundreds of future lines that they have up for this NHL season. And I want to run a couple past you guys that I'm going to be laying some money on. So let's start with a team that I think is getting overlooked a little bit, and it's the Arizona Coyotes. And Botano has cool, like, head-to-head props for teams this year, you can get the Arizona Coyotes to put up more points than the Chicago Blackhawks this regular season at just minus 139. So not super juicy, but I mean, closer to even money than I thought it'd be. Frank, you buying or selling Yotes to finish, I'm going to say miles ahead of the Blackhawks. I don't know about miles. That's the only concern that I have is it feels like, as you said, easy money. My only concern is the Blackhawks are way better. They're going to have an energy around them and an aura around them. And I know an 18-year-old can't really take them very far. Just look at Sidney Crosby and his 100-point rookie season and the Penguins missing the playoffs. However, they do have other pieces around him now that should support him. Taylor Hall, Corey Perry... I'm not saying these guys are going to be world beaters. I could just see them catching a few teams off guard, especially stockpiling some points in the beginning of the season. That might make you sweat a little because as good of a summer as the Coyotes had, I still don't think like some people are like, oh, Coyotes sneaky playoff team. And I'm like, no. Maybe a little. No, no. No, I, uh, they were 11 points up on Chicago last year. Uh, I agree. Chicago's definitely added some good veteran players to go along with, uh, Bedard, but Frank's point about Crosby, uh, you know, you look at McDavid's, uh, rookie season. I know he got injured, but, uh, even look at the record when, when he was, was healthy, they, it is hard to take a bad team in one year and make them a good team. So, um, Arizona has 11 point cushion from last year to start. Uh, I would take Arizona. I don't know if they'll finish miles ahead of them. I'm going to say that I actually think the 11 point gap might be closer this year, really? but I still think Arizona's at. All right. Uh, the next one I have here is another head to head and it involves a team. You guys have talked about quite a bit here. The Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you can get them head to head against a bunch of options. Carolina, Colorado, Dallas, Toronto, Vegas, LA, but Patano has a head-to-head Edmonton and New Jersey who will finish the year with more points. Edmonton is the underdog in this matchup at plus 100. New Jersey's minus 25. I'm taking Edmonton to finish with more regular season points than Jersey. Greg's you buying or selling? That's a really good bet, actually. Uh, Devils had, a, what, 112 points last year. The Oilers had 109. Yeah. It's close. Um I, I do agree with Frank's earlier assessment, you know, a little bit of questions, maybe like, to me, when, when you go in and there's that much hope or potential minutes put on the shoulders of young defensemen, it's rare. Like, unless you're Kale McCarr, like it's kind of rare to, to have it happen. Miro Heiskanen, I guess another guy mm-hmm. who's done it, but uh, I, I would take Edmonton, especially because they're the underdog, right? Like, so I'm getting better odds. Yeah. So yes, I would take them. 
I'm going to sell. I said before, I think the Pacific is the hardest division in hockey. I think the Metro, while not easy, will be easier. And for that reason, I'll take the Devils. See, and I see those two divisions as kind of similar. Like the Metro has a clear tier of three teams, Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers. And then I think a mushy middle of teams that are going to be pushing for a playoff spot, Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and two teams will be closer to the bottom, Philly and Columbus. And doesn't the Pacific kind of shake out the same way, Frank? It does. I, I just would say that Vegas having won the cup, LA, a team that I just added into the cup contender category, Seattle going on a run last year. I think Calgary um, could bounce back into the playoffs. We just talked about Markstrom. And I think, I think the Canucks are a sneaky, sneaky playoff team. Hmm. Really interesting. All right. uh, Let's get to some individual player ones. I got here. Sidney Crosby's over under for goals next year is 31 and a half. Last season, he popped home 33 in 82 games. The year before that, it was 31 goals in just 69 games. Year before that, 24 in 55. With Eric Carlson there, maybe the offense is a little bit rejuvenated in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jason, you buying or selling Crosby? 31 and a half goals. I'm buying all day long. Sid's going to score more goals in his age this year. 36. Damn. That's okay. Frank? Yeah, I would buy that too. I think... As good as Sid started last year, he really struggled down the stretch. I think the whole team did. And I think the Penguins' success, love it, hate it, is all going to depend on how well Sid plays. Fair enough. Even with Eric Carlson. Yeah. That power play could be really, really good in Pittsburgh this year as well. So if Sid's the benefactor of that, could pop home a few more than he did last year. And again, he hit that mark last so season. So who's going to be running the power play? That's my big question. Is is <laughs> is Chris Letang for the first time in 16 or 17 years just like, yeah, whatever, I'm good. Put me on unit two. Two D-men. Stu- no. Hmm. All right. Jay's shaking his head. I'm with you. I don't think this is as ready-made... Oh no! I, I, I think play Le- as people think it's going to be. I think Latang is totally fine with Carlson being on number one unit. I really do. And then Chris Latang looks and says, "Hey man, like I'm 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 giving up my spot to a guy who's one of only six D-men in NHL history to score 100 points. Like I, I I think his I think he's healthy enough and secure enough in who he is as a player. He'll play tougher minutes five on five than Carlson. I think he knows the importance of of his role on the team, and he'll look and say, "Hey." Carlson's a better power play guy than me. So that's going to help us win games. I bet. I don't think that's a, a hard conversation at all. I could be wrong on, but my, in my interactions with Chris Letang, I think he, he's he has like, already yeah. said publicly that he totally endorsed this. And I'm not suggesting that he had, all I'm saying is there's a, there's a long standing chemistry and history. Yeah, that's that fair. Power play. And to think that it's automatically just insert Eric Carlson and everything just, goes to the moon. All I'm saying is I don't, just don't think it's that easy. Yeah. I, I guess I look at the, like the new age power play now, rarely is your D man. Like if he's the third most important player on your power play, that's probably the highest rank he's going to have mm. and a lot of it. It's like the fourth, right? Like, you know, just because 
they've done all the numbers on it. You, you don't see many high volume shooting power plays have success. There's still a few teams and I'm just like, like a, a simpleton like me can crunch the numbers and realize high volume blue line shots is not leading to success on the power play. This has been proven. So, so glad that you called yourself a simpleton. Yeah. So, Hey, it's just how it goes, man. If, if I can figure it out, I'm pretty sure they can too. So uh, power plays are rely too heavily on a big shot from the point. Yeah, like you have a distributor there, but Carlson's so mobile. He'll move around. He'll have touches, but I still think, you know, Malkin and Sid is where it starts. And then Carlson, yeah, it might take a little bit of time to see how he walks the blue line and how he likes to come here and different things like that, slide down into the hash marks and stuff. But um, I think Pittsburgh's power play, like it's not going to be, well, I shouldn't say it's not. I'd be surprised if it's like 30%, but if they're going to be 25 to 27, that won't shock me at all. Next one I got for you from, uh, I guess, one generational talent to the next. Connor McDavid's over-under for this season. He had 64 last year. Botano set the mark at 54 and a half this year. Is that a slam dunk, Frank? Or you think the goal scoring drops off a little bit for 97? 64 and a half? No, 54 and a half. Oh, I was like 64 and a half. Holy He smoke. had 64 last year, so they've dropped the number 10 for his line this season. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm hammering the over all day. It just looked effortless, didn't it? Yeah. It, it seemed like he just decided last year, I think I kind of want to score goals now, and he did it. Jason, you But he's yourself. been saying that for a few years, and it took him until last okay. year to really break through. It was a reminder, it was his first 50-goal season, and he had played seven years before that. Yeah. So I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I, I, I'd be really... There's no chance I'd be taking the under, I guess is what I'm saying. Fair. Yeah, there's there's only two players in the NHL in the last decade, guys, who have multiple 50-goal seasons. Ovi has five, Drysaddle has three, and then there's like a few guys who have one, right? Matthews, McDavid, Rantanen, guys, uh, Pasternak. Um, but McDavid, to me, it's it's his shot volume and how much it's increased every year for the last few seasons um, he's worked on shooting in motion. I remember having a conversation with him. He's like, yeah, I was never really good at shooting in motion. I'm like, what are you but then I was like, okay, because he goes, well, I was so fast in junior. I just skate by everybody. And you know, you'd get in close. He didn't have to shoot from distance. He started scoring a few goals from distance last year. Right. And really because he's a threat to shoot now, goalies have to respect that. Whereas before they're like, well, he's not going to shoot. He's going to pass. So they would cheat a bit. Now they can't. So watch how many times he got goalies moving and beat them five holes. So, I think uh, the, the only the only reason he doesn't score fifty is if he gets banged up. I'll I'm with Frank. I'd, I'd hammer the over um, sixty. Like if the if the line would have been fifty nine, I just think fifty four is is kind of easy is the wrong word because it's hard to score fifty. He but. might not score sixty four, but to think that he's going to go ten fewer than yeah. last year that's a pretty big drop. Yeah, I also think you did hit the nail on the head. Not to put this into the ether for anyone, but. When considering all these bets, like you do have to keep in mind the injury factor. Oh, that's, yes. That's a big way to lose it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically, I mean, like McDavid, he's even money to win the Hart Trophy this year. It basically feels like you're placing an even money bet on McDavid just to stay healthy at that point, right? Um, interesting stuff. Let's wrap this up with, uh, well, start of the NFL season this week, boys. And our friends at Patano have a ton of future props up. They also... Did a really cool NFL trivia thing on their site the other day that gave people a chance to win 500 bucks. But I'm going to ask you guys, give me your Super Bowl winner this year. The Chiefs lead the way at five and a half to one. 
the Eagles next at six and a half to one. And then the Niners and Bills both come in at nine to one. Jason, who you got winning the Super Bowl this year? KC. Ah. Are we are we just all going to be homers? Gregor's going to pick the Chiefs. Frank, you taking the Eagles? Eagles over Chiefs. <laughs> not even gonna, you're not even going to give my Bills a, a Super Bowl appearance, Frank. I just, I don't, I know it's happened before, but I don't think head-to-head Allen beats Mahomes. I like the Bills. I have a hard time picking Allen in that situation. Uh, Here's a little NFL one, since I know you guys both follow the league. Is the Aaron Rodgers experiment going to work in New York? They're 16-1 to to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl, but I will say he's got a lot of weapons. And the, the Jets got some good pieces, man. So... Yeah, I think the Jets are playoffs before we, well, that's what I was going to say. I think the Jets are going to be a wild card team this year. I think they get in. They are minus minus one forty three to make the postseason this year. You can that check is going to be tough. Oh, are the yeah. Pats the worst team in that division. Oh, easily. But like, yeah, well, they, they still might win seven or eight games. Yeah, yeah maybe they could. Yeah. Seven They're over under yeah, like six and a half, right? Yeah, they're not terrible, but they're in a tough division, man. Bills are good. Like, the, I don't know. It's the Dolphins, though. I just there's something so delicious of, about seeing Bill Belichick have the worst team in the division. <laughs> it is nice. Uh, well, he had so much success for a long time. I do think there's part of people who are like, there, there's no empathy for Bill to have a tough season because you're like, yeah, the guy's got enough Super Bowl rings, he'll be fine. Is there a more unlikable guy in pro sports? Uh, I mean, probably. Like. <laughs> Uh, there's, I, I, there's some NBA players that yeah, I think all right, I was going to say, all right, like, like Bill Belichick, like a guy who does not have a criminal history. <laughs> Criminals <laughs> aside, yeah. unlikable. Maybe that that's an important you think Like the worst thing Bill Belichick has done really has been like kind of being short, abrupt answers. Like, you know what? I know people like deflate. But he's Gate, just even kind like, of a prick. Like, yeah, yeah he's grumpy. He's, he's so he had deflate gate. And then he also got caught cheating with the the video thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not exactly like a savory character is what I'm saying. No, no, he's not. He's no like Andy. And and also, I think what's been most enjoyable about it is, yes, the cyclical nature of sports. But I think there was always this thought process along the way of like, Tom Brady's only good because of Bill Belichick. And I think the truth is that maybe it was just Tom Brady all along. And now Bill Belichick's just average. Yeah, I see. I always disagreed with that because, like, you look at the defenses Brady had that they won with, man. Like, they had some really good teams there. And I think, like, championships, but obviously, he went Brady to and Belichick. another market and won. Yeah. Well, Belichick year. and Brady were arguably the greatest coach player combination in, in NFL history. It'd be hard to argue that for sure. But I think they both benefited from each other's presence. Fair enough. All right, there you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Awesome. Frankie, I'm getting excited, man. Um, You know, NFL's coming. Uh, You've got, got, uh, hey, uh, world uh, basketball's going on right now. I'm loving that. We've got two um, game. plus it's, weeks it's, until training camps open and how many now, weeks? Hey, five weeks until the regular season? Five weeks, yeah. Um, but hey, preseason games get going here in like less than 20 days, so that's good. Um, one name or a few names, there's still some unsigned guys. We we'll always expect a few signings here in the next uh, week or so for teams. Phil the Thrill Kessel. Phil, you know, he's come out and told teams, hey, you know what, I don't care about my Ironman streak. And that's the thing, like we talked about injuries, Frank, earlier. If you sign Phil Kessel, if you want to put him in the lineup, there's a really good chance he'll be available for you every night if you want. Do you think for a million bucks, 800, whatever the number is, does Phil Kessel get signed or does he go on a PTO? I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Like If I'm him, I've banked 93 million bucks. I'm 35 and I've won three Stanley Cups. I'm not taking a PTO anywhere. Okay. And not to be a dick, but like, I kind of like that PK Subban went out the way that he did. He's like, I'm not taking a PTO. Not doing that. And I just, I really, I don't know how much Phil has left. When you, when your team is in the Stanley cup playoffs and they make you a healthy scratch for 20 consecutive games. And they're saying you can't help our team. I just, I think that's a huge red flag that like maybe it's just time yeah i i i think i would agree with you on the pto factor he could just not sign a contract and you know then sign during the season when a team feels the need or whatever you know we saw eric stall last year didn't play for a long time and then you know it's pretty decent acquisition so uh the the no pto makes a lot of sense from that regard Uh, like the thing about phil that's interesting is like he's really beloved in the dressing room. Guys love him, right? He's a happy-go-lucky guy. Um, he's able to kind of bring down the pressure at times. So I wonder if a team just looks and says, hey, you know what? We're looking for a guy because we know what injuries are going to happen. Is happy-go-lucky the right? <laughs> I like. I've well, maybe happy, maybe Kessel not happy-go-lucky. I, but, say, like, I don't know if happy is the definitely the right word that I would use. Well, see, I've talked to teammates. Like, I think his public persona, he's, what the he's very sees, light is what I mean. Yes, is very different than play. Like guys that I've talked to that have played with Phil, they love him, like love him, 
right? Like he's, he's very self-deprecating, you know, I like nothing really gets to him. So that's what I guess maybe by, you know, it's water off a duck's back, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He doesn't ever seem to get that like down is what the guys always told me. He was, you know what? He wasn't like raw, raw. He wasn't coming in there as a cheerleader per se, but he was never, he was never an Eeyore uh, around the room and guys really liked him. He's pretty funny. He likes to joke with people. So Damn, I think sometimes Eeyore, those right? elements for a veteran guy, that, that's, that's something certain teams need around their team. Okay. So who is the most surprising RFA still unsigned? Trevor Zegris, Shane Pinto, Morgan Frost, or Kalen Addison? Oh, for sure. It's Zegris to me. Like, you know, now his, his is obviously the most expensive one by far amongst those four players, right? Like Pinto's kind of in a tough spot, like Ottawa, they they can put the screws to him a little bit. And that's just the business of sport when you don't have um, arbitration rights. That's just how it goes. And if I was a team, honestly, he, not only I've, does he not have arbitration rights, he doesn't have offer sheet rights as yeah. a 10 to C either. Yeah. So, so that's just, it's one of those, you know, he's what? a really good player, man. Yeah. He's a good player and, and he'll get a contract. Right. But he might just have to settle, you know, not on a much lower scale. Ryan McLeod, we saw this last year. He ended up signing for basically the minimum Edmonton could offer him, which was the maximum, which was 798 grand. Cause that's all they had left. And, you know, Ottawa is a competitive team. So he probably signs a one year deal. Then he has Arbright's next year. You have another good year. Then you, then you'll get paid, get paid big. So I, my advice to all those players would be just get your contract. Even if it's less than what you want for one year, just get in and play. Don't hold out or hold out's the wrong word. Don't remain unsigned, miss parts of camp because sign a one-year deal, get into camp, play your nuts off. And then next year you got our brights. You know what? You'll cash in. Yeah. But Zegris to me, Frank, like once they sign Troy Terry, it's kind of like the, the script is there on what they're going to pay him. No. Um, yeah. I'm not. Well, yes. I mean, I would think that he, where does he fall in line somewhere south of Troy Terry? Well, see, here's the thing. If he's long-term Frank, he's, he's younger he had than more points than, than Troy Terry. And he's three years younger. Yeah. So he, he the probably has, but, but Troy Terry's the best player on the ducks. Yeah. But you know how it is. Trevor Zegers today, Troy Terry might be the best player, but if you're Zegers's camp and, and you're even the ducks, you're probably thinking, Hey, when he's 25, is he going to be better than Troy Terry at 25? They might say yes. Right. So, so what would center? You, what would you so he gets would more. you just do a short-term deal then? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that Pat Verbeek has taken a page from the old Steve Eiserman playbook. Like it's this this is a grind. It's September 5th. Yeah. On a um, team with like an abundance of cap space. I think if I'm Anaheim, I want a long-term deal. Now, I'm sure Zegris does too, but he's probably going to try to maximize it, right? And, you know, we'll be pushing and say, hey, the cap's going up. I'm kind of our franchise guy here. I want nine and a half, but I don't know if he's going to get that. So then you just, the negotiation dances on, right? And, you know, Zegris is in a little bit of a different position than those other guys I mentioned because he'll get his money, whether it's a, you know, like a short term deal or not. He'll, he'll get substantially, uh, you know, a lot of money. So it's just a matter of how many years. They go, but with the cap going up and the fact that ducks don't have, they have boatloads of cap space to begin with. And I don't think they're going to be competitive for a few years. Like, like there's not really a lot of hard negotiation to go on there. I get why Verbeek does it, but at the end of the day, Frank, like, will we be surprised if they announce Zegers eight years at, I don't pick a number, 
64 mil or higher? Probably not. Just a reminder that Steve Eiserman is ruthless. Joe Valeno signed on August 22nd. This didn't really get talked about because it wasn't a big deal, but he bypassed his qualifying offer at 874-125. And Steve Eiserman was like, all right, that's going to cost you 50 grand because you didn't sign it. So we'll sign you to one year 825. Should have taken the old qualifying offer. Yeah. Well, the qualifying offer was at 874 was even higher. It because at 874, yeah, it was 874, 125. Oh, okay. All right. Well, but still should have signed it because a couple months went by and it cost you 50 grand. We're gonna Yikes. grind you out for that 50 since you didn't take it. You're gonna get 825. <laughs> uh to own imagine only having to take 825. Like that's considered a tough part of your life. Eh? Good for like, no, I mean that in all sincerity, because for a lot of us, they'd love to make 825, but I get it. That's the reality of their sport and they get paid. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a negative way at all, but it's, a, if that's the worst thing that happens to Joe Villano, he's going to have a pretty good year. Well, let's see if he can have another good year. I yes, guess that's the right. point. hundred percent. What about the Red Wings? Are they a playoff team? No. All right. Not with that. Frankie, good to be back, buddy. We'll chat again with you soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.